Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good to see you this morning. Man, last, uh, last Sunday was just amazing. It was amazing to be able to serve our community. And honestly, it was so fun to see so many people come together to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but as a church, one of our core values is to make a difference. We want to make a difference locally, nationally, internationally. And these are ways that we're doing that. And so if you want to be a part of a church that's making a difference, that's what we're all about. And so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that, especially if you're a first-time guest today. We just wanted to introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, I haven't, you may have not talked to me. My name's Daniel, and uh, I am the senior pastor here at Elevation. And I have the joy and the privilege of serving here and, uh, and being the main communicator, which is kind of fun because I kind of like to do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of a good deal. Um, but how many of you are excited that summer's almost here? Yeah, come on. Yeah, some of you, not so much. It's like, eh, I just enjoy the winter and the cold and the misery of winter. <laughs> Amen. I'm really excited about the summer. And, and uh, I don't know, um, you may or may not know this about my family, but we have, as a family, we have a cabin that has been in our family for like over 100 years. It's a really old cabin, and it's way up north uh, in northern Wisconsin, and we like to go up there at least, you know, a couple of weeks out of the year. Uh, we can try to get up there as much as we can, uh, but there's this really interesting thing that happens to me when I go to the cabin. It's, it's very unique and very different. See, normally, I'm very well put together. I like to shower. I like to shave. I like to wear nice clothes. I enjoy hotels. Uh, you know, the finer things of life. This is the... But for some reason, when I go to the cabin, I turn into kind of like a mountain man. Uh, I'm not really all that rugged, but I, you know, I give it my best shot. And, uh, and so what I do is, is basically I just refuse to shower, you know? I just let my hair grow out and I get like this really dirty, kind of nasty mustache. And I mean, it's just really sad. And my family all the time are just kind of like, why in the world are you doing this? Like, what is it? And I don't know what it is exactly. It's just something about being at the cabin. I just want to kind of let myself go. I'm not really interested in being clean, and if I want to be clean, I'll just go into the lake, you know, and I'll just wash myself, grab a bar of soap, and, and you know, anybody else like this, or is it just me? I'm the only one. Yeah, a couple of people. <laughs> Some of you are like, I never want. Matter of fact, if, if, if you would like, I'll show you a picture of what my face looks like. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to do it now. No, no, no. You'll have to come. You'll have to find me after church. I'm not putting it on the screen. I, I'm not doing that. There are only a select group of people that get to see this. Yeah. On the screen, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so today uh, I just have a standalone message and, and, um, uh, one of the things that this particular passage of scripture that we're going to look at today talks about is what does it look like for us to live righteously? Like, what does it look like not to live uh, as the Bible would describe wickedly or with iniquities? These are, these are big, uh, big uh, kind of concerning words, right? And, and so I wanted to read something to you just, just really quick, and I'm going to read it out of multiple translations. And so when I was preparing for this message, this is the verse that really stuck out to me, and I, I just wanted to share it with you. And so I'm reading out of 2 Timothy. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Timothy. Uh, it'll be on the screens as well. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 19. I'm going to start here by reading out of the, the English Standard Version of the Bible. And if you're wondering what that is, um, if I were to give you a timeline, okay, and on that timeline you may have heard of the King James Version of the Bible, and you may have heard of like the Message Version of the Bible. In terms of translation, the ESV would probably be closer to the, the King James Version in terms of how it's translating the original language. Does that make sense? And, and so I'm going to walk us down a timeline to get us to a closer, more uh, familiar language uh, as we go from English Standard. Mm, I think I've got 
Yeah, the New International, which is one of the most popular, and then the New Living Translations. Okay, so we're going to go down the spectrum in order for it to be more familiar kind of language, a little bit easier to understand. But let's start with the thing, the particular translations that's closest to what you would say is the original language. Does that make sense? And so we're going to start in the ESV, and I want to, I want to read this to you, starting in verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands. Isn't that, I mean, that's a yes, God's firm foundation. You almost want to write a song or a hymn or something, right? <laughs> but God's firm foundation stands. Listen to this. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord, listen to this, depart from iniquities. That's the kind of sermon we're going to be talking about today. Some of you are excited and some of you are not so excited because the preacher is going to talk about iniquities. But I think this is an important message for all of us. I think it's something that our culture needs to hear. I think it's something that our church needs to hear. I think it's something that we always need to come back to. Because God has something for us in this verse. Listen to this as we read it in the New International Version. 2 Timothy 2.19, which the New International is probably the most popular. It was actually written in such a way that it would be the, uh, uh, really, it was really designed to be read publicly. Like the language was actually selected so that when it was spoken publicly, it would make sense to people. And so listen to this. Nevertheless... God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses, notice the difference there, confesses the name of the Lord must, watch this, turn away from wickedness. So, so the first is depart from wickedness. The NIV says turn away. So it's like you're facing iniquity and the Bible says turn away from it and move in this direction. Does that make sense? See the action. Now, let's read out of the New Living Translation as we go down the spectrum. You know, we got ESV, NIV, New Living. But God's truth stands firm. Notice this word, like. So, so, so the... New Living uses the word like, which for all of you English majors, you know that like represents a simile, right? Remember like or as? They taught you this in school. And the fact that I remember that is really amazing because I was not good at English. But listen, listen, stick with me. This is important. So the, so the New Living uses a simile. And the simile that, 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 he, that the translators pull in is like a foundation stone with an inscription. Do you see the visual there? So it went from firm foundation, but now it's, it's, it's talking about a foundation that has a stone put in it. And you've probably seen buildings like that where there's been a foundational stone put in a building and they've written things on the stone. And so you come and you read that stone. You know, you go on a history walk and you look and, oh, let's read this, right? You go, you know what I'm talking about. You've done this. And you see these old buildings and they have these inscriptions written on them. And so isn't that a cool visual? So the New Living takes this and puts it in a, a, a way, that, a metaphor that we really understand. The simile says a foundation stone with this inscription. And on that inscription is this, the Lord knows those who are his. And, listen, all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. So the words that have been used so far, iniquities, wickedness, and evil, and all of us are like, well, I'm glad I don't have any of that in my life. Right? Because, I mean, when was the last time you, you actually said there was some behavior in your life that was evil? You know what I mean? Like, that's not the word we usually use. It's like, you know, it's, I was kind of having a bad day. You know, it's just a little thing. Just a, you know, you know what I'm talking about? We even invent words like white lie, which I don't even know what that means exactly. It's still a lie, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so, so I can't remember the last time I used this language even to describe my actions. Wickedness? Holy moly. That's pretty tough. Iniquity? Can you imagine me coming to your house and saying, we need to deal with your iniquity today. 
You would all be like, I never want him to come back. Wickedness. You know, it's like, oh, geez. And so, so what's the point? What am I getting at? I think we got to go a little bit deeper. And what I'm trying to get you to see is when you read the Bible, there's so much in it. Like this is one verse, okay? This is one verse, and we've gotten this far with it. Things we've teased out of it, understood. You know how you interpret the Bible and understand the Bible? Well, see, the Bible interprets the Bible. And so what you do is you read multiple verses so that you can better understand what the Bible is actually saying. So I encourage you to have multiple versions so that you can do the same thing I'm doing. Because then, here, watch this. This is the thing that the New Living includes that the New International and the English Standard Version, stay with me, I promise this is gonna get, it's gonna make sense. That the New Living does is it adds, and I don't know if we have these. Do, do you have the A's and B's that are in that? Okay, so, so in, a, in a translation in the Bible, you would look and you would see, the Lord knows those who are his. And there would be this little A in a, in a parenthesis, okay? It'd just be little a right there. Then it goes on. It says, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Another little parenthesis with a B. So there's an A and a B. And you're like, what is the A and what is the B? See, guys, this is like a Bible class. I am giving it to you right now. You guys are gonna be proficient in Bible by the time we get out of here. But there's an A and a B. Well, if you look at the A and the B in your notes at the bottom of the page, you'll see that it's cross-referencing things that happened earlier or in different places in the Bible. Is this making sense? And so there's another, the A of this, this story, the Lord knows who are his, comes actually from the book of Numbers. And you're like, Numbers, where's that? Old Testament, okay? Go all the way back to the Old Testament. You get this book called Genesis. Remember that in the beginning, God created and all that. And then you have Exodus and Leviticus and then you have Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you know, you, you, you got it. You got it all. So, so Numbers is, it goes all the way back to Numbers, and then this is what Numbers says when you look at the verse that's there. And this is Numbers 16, 5. Listen. Then he said to Korah and his followers, tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. Notice this. The Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence. Now you're like, what in the world's that about? Well, there's this guy named Korah, and he led a revolt against Moses. So like Moses was the guy. You've heard of Moses? Moses was the guy. He was leading the people of Israel. And this guy, Korah, shows up who was really leading a rebellion against Moses. And look, here's the thing I've learned, is you don't want to lead a rebellion against God's man. It's not a good idea. It doesn't end well. Matter of fact, if you read the story, it's one of the coolest stories in the Bible. Eventually, God judges Korah, and it literally says the earth opens up and swallows him. Is that not crazy? You like thought that only happened in Star Wars. It's real. It happened right there in the Bible. And so Korah gets judged because he was leading a rebellion against God. And what the Bible is saying is that this will become clear. Those who belong to God, it will become clear for everybody in the room, if that makes sense. In other words, how does that work in our life? Usually it doesn't result in me being swallowed up in a hole. It usually comes out in certain choices, certain decisions I make, certain wickedness and iniquities or evil that I don't turn away from? Because imagine, like as a preacher, a pastor, you know I mean? I know you guys have a high expectation for me, right? But not for yourself, of course. It's just for me, right? And, and, and if I do something publicly that you know, brings some kind of dishonor to God, I know all of you would be so compassionate towards me, wouldn't you? You'd be like, you know, that pastor, you know, he's just like us. He sins just like the rest of us. You wouldn't be on Facebook or Twitter. You wouldn't leave the church. I mean, you, oh, it, come on, guys. I know. I know. You'd be so compassionate towards me, wouldn't you? Oh, you sweethearts. It's true that we ultimately, we ultimately go to God and, and we want him to judge us with grace. But we don't necessarily judge others with the same grace. 
we usually use a different line for other people than we want for ourselves. So, so, okay, that's not even the message. So there's this holiness issue. There was division and God addressed it. And then if we go back to this other verse, remember, all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil, little b. Well, the little b points us back to a, the prophet, Isaiah. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 52, 11, depart, depart. Like this is a, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Depart, go out from here. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean. Come on, be clean. Take a bath for Pete's sakes when you're at the cabin. Be clean. You who bear, listen to this, the vessels of the Lord. What is the Bible saying? What's well, talking about the priests? He's saying that the priesthood had become unholy. There were things happening that was not honoring to God. And everybody was looking around and saying, wow, if the priest can't even figure it out. And God is saying to us, and, he's, and, 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 and Paul is saying to Timothy in the, in the original verse that we read, that there's something about the people of God and that the people of God are to stand before the world different that somehow we are to be holy? Wait a second. Some of you are like, this is a message on holiness. Why did I come today? I know. But here's the thing I'm trying to get us to see is this is not something that we can just add an asterisk to. It is something that matters to God at a very deep level. And it has been said over and over and over again from the very beginning. The entire book of Leviticus is about holiness. It's one of those books you don't read because you're bored to death because it has so many instructions of do this and do this and if you do this and do that. And I get it. But the thing that's underneath all of it is that we serve a holy God and that he is looking for a holy people. Why? Just so that we can walk around and say, look, I'm holy. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm holy. You holy? I'm holy. Ha, ha, ha. That would, that would draw people in, wouldn't it? No, it's not that. God wants us to be holy so that somehow we look different, that we look different from the world around us, not so that we stand in judgment, so that people see a different way. And if we look like everybody else, they're not ever going to see a different way. And so sometimes when you hear a preacher talk like this, you think, oh no, he's going to talk about sin. Yeah, I'm going to talk about sin. I'm going to talk about wickedness and evil and iniquity. Why? Because the Bible says that Christians, Christian, if you're a Christian here today, if you're not a Christian, you are loving this because I'm going to pick on Christians all day. Because if I do not reflect the character and nature of God to the world around me, then they will not see him. Outside of a miracle done in their midst, they won't see. Do you see how important it is what the Bible is saying? That somehow, not just that I'm known by God, but that somehow I need to turn away from the things of this world and look different reflect something different than the world. And so many times in my life, I don't want to admit it, there are times in my life that I look just like the world. I respond the same way, with anger, sometimes unforgiveness, judgment. I do all these things. Do you guys have any of that in your life? And so my point is, is that... that what I need to be aware of is not that I can't sin or won't sin. It's that I'm just aware that there is sin and I need to identify it as sin so that I can do the next right thing. What I don't need to do is simply say, well, that doesn't look like sin anymore or change it or gray it or whatever it is. And see, what we're doing in our lives today is we're allowing the truth foundation that, 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 that Paul is talking about to be moved. Yeah. 
to be changed, to be reinterpreted. And, and so my point is, is, guys, I know this is a hard message, but I just felt compelled by God to share this. Would you give me grace today? Because I believe this is for us because we have to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. And the way that we do that is we listen to what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying, hey, first of all, you need to be known by God. Because Korah, that guy wasn't known by God. He was not known by God because he was leading a rebellion against Moses. And then in addition to that, he says, not only do you need to be known by God, but you need to turn away from evil. And he says, the person that confesses Jesus. So for everybody in the room that's never confessed Jesus, that you've never said yes to Christ, you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, you're off the hook right now. Now, you're on the hook at some point. But for today's purposes, the Bible is speaking directly to believers. So let me ask you this. Have you ever confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have... This is for you. If you have, the Bible says that I need to depart from iniquity. I need to turn and go in the other way. That's important, isn't it? And so, so, so Paul's trying to help us to see this. And here's the crazy thing. When in Isaiah it says that we're vessels of the Lord, who are these vessels of the Lord? Well, the Bible says you are. Did you know that? Like the priests of the Old Testament are you now. Like the Bible says that we are a priesthood of all believers. When you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now have been brought into the priesthood. So what he's saying is, what kind of vessel are you? Are you clean? Are you honorable? Are you set for God's purposes? And so here's the big idea I have for you, okay? Very simple, very straightforward. You with me? That all makes sense. I had to lay the Bible foundation first. Now we're going to get to the good stuff. Listen. The big idea is simply this. Our job is to adjust. Stay with me. Our job is to adjust. You ever been to a chiropractor? Uh, anybody? You ever been to one of those peoples? We actually have a big school here in town, Logan Chiropractic. They come from all over the nation to study and I, I, I had never been to a chiropractor, but I was in a church where this guy was a chiropractor, and he's like, hey, if you come, I'll, I'll do it for free. I'm like, done, let's go. I mean, he offered free chiropractic. I was like, I'm in. I don't even know what it is, but let's do it. Crack him up. <laughs> but at the time, I remember my neck was killing me. I was so stressed out with work and things were just, oh, it was just nuts. And I remember my neck, I'd sit there and be like, oh, it hurts so bad. And, I would, and I, I'd go over to him, and I'd tell him, man, man my neck's coming, can you tell me? And I'd lay down on, the, on the, the cracking bench, or whatever they call it. I know, I use, I use real fancy medical terminology, guys. I'd lay down, and, and you know, he'd, he'd start to do what he does. And, and, and he, he would, he'd feel things and notice maybe things out of alignment or things that weren't, you know, working. And, and so he, and chiropractic people, they deal with the structure. Do you see that? They deal with the structure. They deal with the foundation. And so they're trying to make sure that the foundation is in alignment with how God created it to be. So, so they're looking at it, and, and then when they find something out of alignment, what do they do? <laughs> you know what they do. Pow! And you're like, ah! And it, 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 kind of, it kind of scares you a little bit. It freaks you out at first when you hear it. And I remember one time, this is the craziest thing. I had him do it, and he did it, and he said, I can clear your sinuses. And he, he does something. He goes like, and all of a sudden, my nose starts running. <laughs> it was crazy. And so what happens? You know, they make their adjustments. They do their thing. And, and usually, it brings your body back into alignment. That's, that's kind of the goal. And it's, it's brought back into alignment. And see, that's what we need, isn't it? We need to be brought back into alignment. But in order to do that, we've got to make some adjustments. We've got to make some adjustments. We've got to be committed to getting clean. We've got to be committed to uh, walking away from iniquities. We've got to be committed to walking away from evil and wickedness and not calling something that the Bible has called something, something else. Lord, help us when we do that. Because whether you like this or not, you can say the Bible's archaic, it's dumb, it's, it's stuck in the last you know, few centuries, and that's fine. But I can't tell you the height of human hubris 
to say to the Bible that's been around for thousands of years and has been working pretty good in terms of helping people that now all of a sudden I've, I've received some new idea. Come on. You guys okay? I know I'm a little scary this morning. But that somehow I've received a new revelation from God. That, 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 matter of fact, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't say that. You're like, wait a second. Holy moly. Guys, do you see what I'm getting at? Because we live in a culture that's predicated on feelings and emotions. If it feels good, do it. If it's like that, do it. It's whatever you want, whatever's your thing, man, just do it. It's okay. You do you. Friends, that is not a good way to live. And I'll say this. You can live that way all you want. It's America. Do whatever you want. But if you're a Bible-believing Christian, hear me today. This is what we need to hear. And so we got to make some adjustments. So here's a few essential adjustments we've got to make. Stay with me. Number one. Step one is we've got to make an adjustment in our allegiance. Do you notice that's what the Bible says? That we have to make an adjustment in our allegiance. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord. So if you're here today and you've never confessed the name of the Lord, believed as, on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is what the Bible's talking about here. If you've never done that, what you need to do is make that adjustment. You need to, to bring yourself in alignment with that kind of allegiance. Because when you do, all of these other things will come to pass. And so I just simply ask you that question. Have you named the name of Jesus? Have you confessed the name of the Lord? Have you stood and said, you know what? I'm in. I am professing today that Jesus is my Savior. Yes. Okay, so if you've done that, here's the good news. The Bible says you can be saved. The Bible says you can spend eternity with God. The Bible says that all the promises of God are available to you now. Like, all that's true. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But it comes with a catch. You're like, wait a second, a catch? I thought it was free. It is free. It's, it's a gift. Take it. Will you receive it? And the Bible says, confess the Lord. But did you notice what he says next? You notice what he says next. He says not only that you would be known by God, but that you would depart away from the things of this world. That you would no longer look like what you used to look like. See what I'm getting at? This is the picture that the Bible is painting for us. And so it says, not only do you need to profess, but the result is, is that you must turn away from wickedness, iniquity, evil, and sin. And everybody's like, oh man, this is rough. It is in other words, I've got to turn away from the things that I want. Do you see what I'm getting at? Because a lot of times the things I want are no good. They're not good for me. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. You know what eights do? We lead. We do things like that, you know. But one of the things I've learned about eights, and if you don't know what this is, it's fine. I'll just explain it to you. But one of the things about eights is if, if one cookie's good, 12's better. <laughs> it's true. We do everything at the extreme. It's like, yeah, everything in moderation. Yeah, for you, for me, it's like, I want all of it. Let's go. Let's, you want one slice of pizza or you want to eat the whole pie? I'll literally eat a whole piece of pizza. You know, like, you can pack it? I can but that's my point. But my life, I look at my life and I have appetite. I have desires. I have things I want, but they don't necessarily mean they're good. And when they're in the context of the medical field, we're fine with it. Like, don't eat all that. And the doctor says so. And you're like, okay, yeah, I should listen. But when the Bible says it, ah, forget it. God help us that we're more willing to listen to a medical doctor than we are the Bible. God help us. So we have to make an, align, a, 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 an allegiance change, but we also have to adjust our appetite. 
We've got to adjust our appetite. We've got to adjust our desires. We've got to adjust our attractions. We've got to adjust our behaviors. Do you see what I'm getting at? In other words, we have to look at our lives and say, okay, what desires, attractions, behaviors, or whatever it is, appetite, what of these are unholy to God? And am I willing to place them before the Lord and say, Lord, I see it. I recognize it. I'm not going to blame it. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to simply say, this is what's real. Guys, that's the first step of healing and wholeness in our lives. Because you can't get well if you don't know you have a problem. And what we like to do is say, well, I've got a generalized sin problem. Jesus solved it. I'm good. Going to heaven. I can do whatever I want. Friends, the Bible doesn't say that. And you're like, well, I don't care. Well, okay, fine. But you're in rebellion to God's word. You like that? I don't like that. I don't want to be in rebellion to God's word, do you? I mean, forget that. I'm out. You, you can do it. Go ahead and be Korah. Do your thing. But I don't want that in my life. Now, I know that this is hard. We've got to make adjustments in our allegiance. We've got to make adjustments in our appetites. But I think we have to make one ultimate adjustment. And this is important. And Paul talks about it here in 2 Timothy. Okay? We'll get to it. Watch this. The ultimate adjustment that Paul talks about. In the same letter, Paul expands on what he's saying. Listen to me. In 2 Timothy 2, the verse right after 19, 20, and 21. Watch this. Now in a great house. In other words, a fancy house. Right? You ever been to a fancy house? Maybe you have a fancy house. Praise God. But it says, in a great house, there, listen to this, are there not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay? So, you know, you see what the Bible's getting at. That in a big old fancy house, there's going to be different kinds of bowls and vessels. Fancy ones and not so fancy ones. And so he uses this language, these elements. He uses gold and silver and, and wood and clay. And then he says this, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. And what he's saying is common or uncommon. Does that make sense? Then verse 21, I love this. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, wait, do you see that? Do you notice it doesn't say if anyone is cleansed by Jesus' blood? Now, that's important. But in this particular pastoral letter that Paul is writing to Timothy and the church in Ephesus, he says, if anyone cleanses himself, take a bath, people, from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Do you see what's happening? There's an if-then relationship that I just mentioned. The if relationship is that if I will cleanse myself, I will be ready and useful to God for all the things that he has for me to do. Is this making sense? Some of you have dreams in your life. Some of you want to do things for God. You have passions, desires, excitements, things that you have in your heart. But they'll never come to pass if you don't hear me. Because God is looking for vessels. He's looking for vessels that are set aside for honorable use. He goes on to say this, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Wow. So, so I don't know. Do you have any fine china? Anybody? Fine china? Do we do fine china anymore? Like back in the old days, you had some fine china and you had a little, you had a whole bin. You'd put it up there and display it for everybody. You come in like, wow, that's fine china. Or like Wedgwood. That was a big one. Like the blue Wedgwood stuff, you know, and like that's big and fancy. Everybody know what Wedgwood is? Am I, am I completely dating myself, some of you? Fine china, Wedgwood. And then there's like a Kia plastic plate. You know what I'm talking about? You, know, you buy a bunch of them and you can just do whatever you want with them and f you, you'll find them out in the yard, you know, like in the back of your car. You know, you've put them in the microwave and burned a hole through it. It's still there. <laughs> but that's what you do with the IKEA plastic plate. And the Bible is saying that there are different types of vessels. Now, he's not saying that if you're a plastic plate, you're bad. He's not saying if you're a gold plate or a silver plate. No, we all have to be the plate that we are. 
We have to be who we are. But what he is saying is the commonality is that it's clean, that it's not dirty, that it's clean. And so I've been in very wealthy homes and I've been in very poor homes. I've eaten on plastic plates and I've eaten on fancy plates. But I can tell you what, if that plate was dirty, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. See what I'm getting at? And so God is saying that we, our lives need to be set apart. Our lives need to be holy. Our lives need to be clean. That plate needs to be washed every day. Why? So that we'll be useful to the king because the king has good work for us to do. And my fear in my life, and I hope it is in yours, not in like an unhealthy way, but that I would be ready and willing at whatever moment the Lord says, you're in, that I'm ready, that I'm prepared, that I've made sure my plate is clean so that I can receive whatever meal he has for me so that I can give it to the world around me. Guys, I know this is heavy, but I, I tell you, this is so important that we get this. Because if you notice, he says silver and gold, honorable and un, uncommon use, wood and clay, dishonorable, common use. So you get it. You get the metaphor. And so what's happening is there's shift. There's a shift. There's an elemental adjustment that needs to be made in our lives. In other words, we need to move from one thing to another. There's a transformation that needs to occur. Does that make sense? And what's crazy is it's like you're transforming from one element to another element. And how is that possible? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because see, the Bible says that's what Jesus does. Jesus is the one that can transform us. Jesus is the one that can shift us from this to that. I can't do that on my own. I cannot transform myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot do any of those things. And that's what the Bible teaches. But it doesn't ever say that after that, I don't have a responsibility that I have responsibility after that. And the responsibility I have is to make sure my plate's clean, to do the things the Lord has told me to do that I might see myself become the person that he wants me to be so that I'm ready to receive everything that he has for me. Oh, Lord, this is what we need to see. Now, you may be saying, I can't clean myself. You're right. But actually, you're not right. See, now you're all confused. You can clean yourself. You just can't save yourself. Does that make sense? You can't save yourself, friends. That's why you need Jesus. But you can clean yourself. You can cleanse yourself. You can take that dish and wash it. And the way that you do that is that the Bible describes is that you depart from the iniquities that are in your life. See, Jesus says this to us. And matter of fact, he does it through Paul. Paul says this in 5, 6 of Romans. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time to do what? Die for sinners. He came for us to save us. That's what he does. He transforms us. And it's a matter of fact, that word transformation comes from this idea of chrysalis. You know what I'm talking about? This chrysalis idea of a little moth or what is it, a worm? Yeah, it's a worm, a little worm, a little caterpillar. <laughs> That's it. Little, you know, the little fuzzy ones that they cocoon up. And then as they cocoon up, inside that cocoon, they transform into a butterfly. That's the image. It's this metanoia. It's the image of being changed, transformed. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus does. You can't do that. He does that. But you can cleanse yourself. Matter of fact, it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice, isn't it? Let me say it again. It's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to go and wash that dish. It's a choice to turn and go in a new direction. It's a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to say, yeah, you're out of line. Yeah, there's a misalignment here. We've got to get you back in alignment. <laughs> when was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to get you in alignment? feel like sometimes all we ask the Holy Spirit for is to bless us. Bless me. Keep me safe. Keep everybody around me safe. Keep me well and healthy and well-fed and blessed. Jesus, thank you. And friends, that's all good. Keep doing it. But when was the last time you asked the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where am I out of alignment? Where did I not honor you this week? Where did I not love you with my life? Where did I not love people with my life this week, Jesus? 
Do you see how this gets real? It's no longer about just eternity. It's about now. It's about me becoming the man that God wants me to be. It's about you becoming the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Why? So that the world will see Jesus in you. And when the world sees Jesus in you, guess what? They want the world. They want Jesus. That's what they want. Did you know Jesus is attractive? Like, you, you bring Jesus up in any meeting. Most people like him. Now, they don't like Christians, but they like Jesus. See, Jesus is attractive. And that's what our lives should be, is that we should attract people to ourselves so that we can point them to Jesus. Oh, I love this. Set apart, holy. I know this, guys, and I know you're kind of, you're like, okay, please stop. I, I got it. I got it. Holy. I got to be holy. Um, when was the last time you heard a message on holiness? It doesn't happen very often. And the point I'm making is, is that because it doesn't attract people, it doesn't make people want to come to church because you're like, well, now I feel bad about myself. Thanks a lot, preacher. <laughs> Guys, listen, I'm not interested in making you feel bad. I really have no interest in that. I want you to hear what the Bible says so that we can wrestle with it. If you're not wrestling with God and his word, then I'm pretty sure you're not reading it. Because every time I read it, it gets me. Every time I read it, it shows me something in my life that isn't measuring up. Every time I read it, I think, man, I could be a better husband. Man, I could be a better friend. Oh, shoot, I got a whole list of people I haven't forgiven. I'm angry at this. I'm bitter. I'm, you with me? And anybody that spends time in the Word feels that way. But here's my point. They don't feel that way so that they can feel like a worm. I have no interest in you feeling like a worm. What it does is it shows you your need for God and that you are saved with purpose. And that purpose is to live holy before a world that's on looking so that more people come to Jesus. It's your gift to the world. It's not something you carry around as a burden. Oh, I gotta be holy today. I just gotta be holy. I can't smoke cigarettes or drink beer or go to movies. <laughs> but that's what we're taught. It's not about that. It's about your heart before the Lord and saying, God, I want more of you than I want the world. And whatever you say to adjust, I'm adjusting. Because you're worth it. You're worth my life. You're worth everything. You're worth my decisions. I'm turning my back on the evil, the iniquities, and the wickedness that I've so easily brought into my life. Whew, Jesus, help us. Okay, I gotta wrap up, I think. Um... Give me a second. Jesus makes us righteous. He repurposes us for his pleasure. He prepares us. Gives us things to do. And I think this was the warning that I felt in my heart as I prepared this message. It was, don't be disqualified because you refuse to take a bath. Do you understand? Don't be disqualified for the work that God has for you to do because you're unwilling to take a bath. Because you're unwilling to lay aside something that really doesn't matter all that much. That you're willing to clean the plate so that you can be useful in the master's house for the things that Jesus has for you. Can you receive that today? I never want to be disqualified because I was unwilling to clean my plate. Because I was unwilling to submit my life to the one that could do something great in me. Because here's the result. And he goes on, and you can read this in 2 Timothy. He says, look, man, if you do that, this is what happens. <laughs> Go ahead and bring that music on. This is what happens. For people will love only themselves Do you see any of that in our culture? 
that people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing God, disobedient to their parents. Oof, some of you kids like, oh Lord. And ungrateful, ungrateful. As an American, friends, you should just always be grateful. Because if you're not, you've never been outside America. You should be grateful. He says this, he said, they will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. You ever said that? Man, nothing's sacred anymore. What he's painting is a picture of people who choose not to walk away from evil. And he says this, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Oh God, they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride and they'll love pleasure rather than God. Do you see any of that? They will act, listen to this, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that makes them godly. So in other words, you go to church, but you never receive the power of Jesus in your life to change what? Not just your salvation situation, but your life so that you look different. See, you need that power. And that's what the Bible, matter of fact, the Bible says that's a litmus test to determine between whether you're religious or whether you're in a relationship with Jesus and that's what matters. Guys, and then he says this, Paul says this to Timothy, he says it to all of them, he says, okay, you know all that list I just say? He says, stay away from them. Isn't that messed up? You're like, no, but we're supposed to love them. Yes, you can love them. Please love them, love them from a distance. Doesn't mean you have to do what they do. I know, guys, this is hard. But do you want to be common? I don't want to be common. Man, I want to be set apart. Don't you? Don't you want to be set apart? Don't you want to be holy unto the Lord? Don't you want your plate to be clean so that when he comes a knocking, you've got everything ready? Oh, friends, let us be honorable. Let us be a people that is honorable before the Lord. Let us reject the evil of this world. Let us set apart our lives for God. Let us be useful, come on, in the house of the Lord. Let us be righteous, repurposed, and ready. Come on, let us be radical for Jesus. Let us be the kinds of people that when Jesus shows up, that we're ready to do whatever it is that he has for us, that good work that he has for us. Come on, let's make the adjustments that we need to make to make sure that our foundation is strong so that we may be useful to the king. Whew. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you how it shapes us, convicts us, shows us. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, I know that everybody in this room has something to get right with you. We're all in the same boat. So whether you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't, I just want to give us a little bit of space here to do something that the Bible uh, uses a, a word called confession. And what it means is that we confess what it is so that one, we're acknowledging what it is. We're giving it to the Lord and we're asking the Lord to help us. Now, again, let me be clear. This is not an issue of salvation. We'll talk about that in a moment. This is an issue of being clean. 
And so friends, I wanna offer a prayer for us as a church, as individuals. If you're here today, anybody here today, just raise your hand up if you need a prayer of confession right now. Just raise your hand up right now. If you're like, I need this, I need this in my life. I've, I've messed this up, I need your help, God. I acknowledge I've got some stuff. Good. I wanna pray for anybody in this room. Jesus, I thank you that when we pray, you hear us. That, that, that it's not a religious act, it's, it's, a, it's a relational act. And that when we ask for your help, you say, sure, I'm in. And so God, I pray right now for anybody in this room that wants to get this right, that wants to, to place this in your hands and ask for help, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you move in power? Would you give them everything that they need to overcome this thing that is holding them back? And God, I pray for a cleansing in Jesus' name. Come on. I pray for a cleansing. Just, just receive a cleansing in Jesus' name. You don't ever have to go back to that thing. You don't ever have to go back. It's your choice. So choose to walk towards him, not away from him right now in Jesus' name. He loves you. He forgives you. And he's here to help you. Now, for the person in the room that you would say you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I just want to give you a chance to. I've said a lot of things today, but all of it is about what Jesus did for us. All of it is about the fact that God came into this world, was born as a baby grew into a man, spent three years ministering to the people. And after three years, he was nailed to a cross and he died a brutal death. Why? Because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And so I just want to ask you, if you've never confessed Jesus as your savior and your Lord, you can today. And so what I want to do is give you an opportunity to do that so that not only would you enter into his kingdom, but that you would begin a relationship with him. And so what I want to do is with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to ask you to do something for me. As a, as a statement of faith, what I'm going to ask you to do on the count of three is just to simply raise your hand up as an acknowledgement of your need and your desire for a Savior and a Lord, and that you want that. And so right now on the count of three, I just wanna invite you to just raise your hand. I'm gonna see it. No one's looking around, it'll just be me. On the count of three, be bold. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Good, 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 God bless you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Church, we're all praying together here. People are coming into the kingdom of God right now. And so I'd invite you to repeat this prayer. We're all gonna pray together. If you, if you did raise your hand, I'd, I'd invite you to, to say this prayer. It's not magical. All I'm asking you to do is you mean it, that you just mean it. And this is what I want. And so, okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need a savior. I can't save myself. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be Lord of my life? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you transform me? Would you fill me with peace? And hope and love I choose this day to follow you in Jesus name amen amen can we just celebrate anybody that was given it Jesus thank you